chapter 6 and verse number 19. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For you bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let me read a part of those two verses again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. And I just simply want to talk to you a little while this morning on this subject. Prepare the temple and bring in the glory. Prepare the temple and bring in the glory. Let's pray. Help us, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, I do need your help, God. I need your anointing. I need your wisdom, God. I pray that you would direct us and guide us that from the word of the Lord we could bring a lesson of truth to this people, something meaningful, something valuable, that they can take home with them, Lord Jesus, that uh, you would help us, Lord, to fulfill your purpose in our life. And we'll give you the praise. And everyone say in Jesus' name, God bless you. You can be seated. Brother Charles Phillips, uh, quoting the scripture where David was admonishing Solomon to be strong and show himself a man. I want to go from that and uh, after David died, uh, we'll pick up the story of Solomon here, uh, centered around the building of the temple, which is called Solomon's Temple. And it's simply called Solomon's Temple because he's the one that built it. It was really the temple of the Lord and a house of worship in that day. Uh, there's a there's a whole lot uh, there's a whole lot to preach about. There's a whole lot of exciting things to talk about, uh, but uh, I'm going to get down very basic today. And really, there's not a lot of mystery. There's not not a lot of mystery in living for the Lord. You really can reduce it down and make it pretty simple. Uh, from where we're at today, it's just simply a matter of knowing who Jesus Christ is, having the revelation of the deity of Christ, the name of Jesus, understanding the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that in repentance and baptism in his name we share with him in his death and his burial. And that uh, when we repent and are baptized in Jesus' name, our sins are taken away, the death and burial of Jesus Christ atoning for and paying for our transgression. And in the infilling of the Holy Ghost, we are resurrected with him, just like Christ rose from the dead, so that we rise to walk in newness of life. The wonderful gift of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the life of the Spirit, the life that is given to we who were dead in sin and trespass against God, quickened by His Spirit, experiencing the gospel, understanding and experiencing the death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus Christ. We believe in heaven and hell, the hereafter, the resurrection, the rapture, 
eternal life, immortality in Jesus Christ. So there's really not a lot of mystery about serving the Lord. Then we sit here today and say, all right, I believe all of that and I've experienced it. It's wonderful. It's good. I'm on my way to heaven. What can you tell me that will help my life be more meaningful and help me to fulfill the purpose of God in my life? And uh, it may seem like I'm oversimplifying it, but I'm just simply telling you that uh, what you and I can do is to recognize that our body is a temple of God and we can spend our time preparing that temple, making it attractive to the Lord, making it acceptable unto the Lord, and impress the Lord with the uh, quality of temple that we offering Him, the completeness of our surrender, our commitment, our consecration, so that the Lord will really be pleased with the body that we're offering Him to live in and to work through. Amen? And then when we have done everything and as we continue to do everything we can uh, to present our body to Him as a temple, a vessel, a channel that He can live in and work through, uh, then we must constantly reach out uh, for the abiding presence of the Lord and the operation of His glory and power in our life. It is not enough just to have a clean house. That house has to be filled with His glory and His anointing and His power. And so we take our lesson from the book of Second Chronicles, beginning at verse number 3. Remember, simply talking a little Sunday morning Bible lesson on the preparation of the house and the bringing in of the glory. The Bible says of Solomon, after having been instructed of David and given the commission to build the house, which David was not allowed to do because God said he had been a man of war, and David, in his unselfish desire to do what he could for the Lord, he said, well, if I can't build it, then I'll gather the material and I'll do everything I can to help somebody else build it. Isn't that a great spirit? He knew that it would never be called David's temple. His name would never be put on it. It would never be David's temple. It would be called by the name of someone else. But he said, if I can't do that, I'll do what I can do. Hallelujah. It's possible that none of us will ever be allowed to do all of the things that we really had hoped to do. But just because we can't do what we really wanted to do, there needs to be a desire and a willingness in our heart to do the very best that we can do. There are different reasons why that, uh, that uh, one person can do something that another person cannot. The Bible says that we are all members in particular and we have our own uh, various calls and gifts and uh, not everybody has the same ability. Not everyone has the same calling. Not everyone has the same energy or the same uh, training or background. And then too, it's possible that uh, because a person missed the will of God early in their life, they I will never be able to do what they could have done and what they really wanted to do. But uh, God tries to salvage what He can. He tries to get out of us what He can get out of us. And then it's up to us to be willing 
uh, to do what we can do. If I can't do that, then Lord, I want to be all that I can be, and I want to do all that I can do. I thought, uh, studying the word of the Lord, the prophet talking about the uh, the, uh, the the wheel, the potter's wheel that the uh, made uh, vessels on, and the Lord instructed him, said, "Go down and and look and see what's happening down there." And the Bible says that uh, they were uh, turning the clay and the vessel on the wheel, and it said that he watched and in the process of working the pottery, he would break one, and it would be marred on the wheel, marred on the wheel, uh, simply in the process of, of God trying to make something out of us. Sometimes uh, we are marred on the wheel. We don't take instructions well, or uh, we rebel, or we resist, or the flesh rises up against the Spirit. And instead of walking in the Spirit, we walk in the flesh, and we're sidetracked, and we're uh, we're damaged, we're marred, we're scarred, we're turned aside. Oh, let's, let's be realistic enough here today to face up to the fact that not everybody that starts out to serve God uh, just, uh, just makes a beeline for heaven. But uh, in reality, we deal with backsliders, we deal with failures, we deal with faults, we deal with problems, uh, we deal with mistakes, we deal with people who have had it less than... Uh, have had less than a perfect testimony and have been less than a perfect example. Marred on the wheel. And, uh, and this prophet was learning a lesson. He said, and I watched. And uh, they took that broken vessel, that marred vessel, and they put it back on the wheel and said, made it another vessel as it pleased the potter. What it's really saying was, he, he settled for the best that he could make out of what he had to work with. He made the best out of a bad situation. He took what uh, could have been perfect and he made something less than perfect, but he still made something out of it. I don't know why I'm saying this today, but I may be talking to somebody that the devil's trying to beat you to death uh, over past, uh, past failures and past regrets. And, uh, and, and you keep saying to yourself, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't done that, look what I could have been, or look what I may could have been. Amen. I'm so glad that God don't throw us away just because we uh, missed the mark or we failed to be all that we could be. Amen. But the Bible says a potter picked it up, hallelujah, and made it another vessel as it pleased him. You may never be what God fully had intended for you to be, uh, but God can still make something out of you that will bring honor and glory to his name. You can still be something for the Lord. And the devil is a liar that says you won't ever amount to anything. I say the devil is a liar that says you won't ever amount to anything. God knows how to take what's left and make something out of it. It may not be because you uh, fell in sin or, or left the church. It may simply be because that uh, your earlier life was misdirected and you didn't get your priorities set soon enough. I have seen young men uh, that definitely had a call of God on their life. And uh, I, I believe that they would have been great preachers and great evangelists. Uh, but they fell in love when they were 17, married when they were 18, had kids before they were 20. And financial responsibilities begin to build up. 
uh, to where they could not be and could not go and could not do what they could have done if they had been more disciplined and more committed and had their priorities straight. But before they were hardly grown enough to get it all in order, they had already become encumbered with family and bills and responsibilities. You say, well, if God called them, uh, none of that makes any difference. Oh, yes, it makes a difference. I say, oh, yes, it makes a difference. Bless God, just pick up. If God called, just pick up and leave. You can't pick up and leave your bills. You can't pick up and leave your wife and kids. You can't pick up and leave your responsibilities. Amen. So what's God going to do? If you pray and commit yourself, He's going to take what is left and make the best He can out of what's left. He's going to work with what's there. You may never be what you could have been. I have seen people, if they had, if they had come to God when they were in their teens, they could have done a lot more for God than by waiting until they're 30 or 40. They'd lost a lot. Please don't take offense at what I'm saying today, but I'm going to tell you, a young person that goes out in the world and lives it up in sin and uh, disgrace and shame and drugs and alcohol and all of that, they do not have as much to offer to God as if they had consecrated to God when they were 12 years old and lived their whole life for God. Something has been lost. Something has been forfeited. God does not have as much to work with. And I say this with respect, you can't go out and do drugs for 15 years and come back and still have all your brains. You have lost something out there in the world. You have paid a price for what you did out there. But it doesn't mean God doesn't love you and God doesn't want you. He's going to make us of us what He can make. Put us back on the wheel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A person that could have been a shining example and testimony and uh, could have been a real role model for, other, for young people uh, that uh, serve God may have to come back and their value, their greatest value may be warning, warning other young people, don't make the mistake that I made. Instead of being a, an example to follow, uh, they may be set up as a warning to others that it, uh, the, the, the devil extracts and sin extracts a great, great toll when you go out there and play with the world. So I just want to say to you today that God loves you right where you're at. Amen. Whatever's there, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, hallelujah, God, if you'll submit yourself to Him and commit your life to Him, God will take what's left and do the best he can with it if you'll give it to him. Hallelujah. He does know how to put it on the wheel and mold it and make it. Praise God. But I would encourage all of you, amen, to commit your life to God early and young before you give any of it to the world. Let me tell you, we don't owe this world one day of our life. We don't owe sin one weekend. We don't owe sin one night of party and while living. We don't owe the devil anything. He's on his way to the bottomless pit. Amen. And we don't owe him anything. Every good thing comes from the Lord. The devil's never done us any favor. The devil's been mean to our parents and our grandparents and everybody that we ever knew. And we don't owe the devil anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't owe the devil not one night of your life. You don't owe sin one moment of your life. Don't give him one cell of your brains. Don't give him one lobe of your lungs. 
Don't give the devil one ounce of your liver. Hallelujah. Let your light shine for Jesus Christ. Praise God and be all that you can be. Hallelujah. 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 But just because you can't be what somebody else can be, and just because circumstances and situations in your life are such that you are somewhat handicapped, hallelujah, don't get a chip on your shoulder and say, well, if I can't do it, bless God, I'm sure not going to help nobody else do it. David said, all right, I sure did want to build that temple. But if I can't, then I'll help the next man do it. Hallelujah, I'll help the next man do it. Praise God. And uh, so he set out uh, to do everything that he could to gather the material and get things ready so that it would be easier for the next person. Praise God. Let me tell you, if you can't sing, don't resent those that can. And don't torment everybody by keep getting up there trying. I mean, let's accept it. Let's accept the fact some of us can't sing. I wish I could sing like Brother Cox. I'd get me one of them little half-pint guitars. And... But I can't. Now, it's no use in me getting up here and tormenting you every time. Well, you'll never go on. I ought to get my chance to. No, I'll, I'll never get a chance to sing because I can't sing. And it's not fair to the people to put me up here just to help me feel better. Amen. And torment you with me trying to sing. Some people can't sing. Hallelujah. Some people can't preach. And maybe you say, yeah, and you one of them too. Well, that's, that's your opinion, and you might be right. But don't put a person up there just because, well, he wants to preach so bad. If you can't preach, you can't preach. Do something else. Just do something else. You say, well, if anybody can preach, I can. Not necessarily. God said, David, you're a man of war because, because the circumstances of your life have been such you're not going to be allowed to do this. No use getting a bad spirit about it. That's just how it is. Your hands are bloody, and this temple needs to be built by somebody that has a little different uh, personality, a little different background, a little different vocation, a little different calling. Amen? God knows his business. He knows who to put here and who to put there. Hallelujah. And we can't sit around and say, well, I don't know why this and can and that can't. Now, that is... We're all different, and God knows his business. As people trying to preach, they, cause, they stir up more devil, they cause more trouble and more torment, amen, and more misery and more unhappiness. They need to realize that their place in the work of God is something different. They're not a pastor or they're not an evangelist. They need to accept that instead of just hoboing across the country begging somebody to let me try one more time. They've been tried enough years now that they ought to know their value to the work of God is in something else and somewhere else. Hallelujah. And the hand shouldn't say to the foot, I have no need of you. I want to be this or I want to be that. Or I don't feel good because I'm not something else. God, help us to realize our reward's going to be in heaven and it doesn't matter who gets the credit for it and whose name it's going to be in. Let's let all of us make our contribution and do our part. Praise God. It will never be known as David's temple. Hallelujah. But David said, I'll work on it till the day I die anyhow. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to labor anyhow. Just let me make my contribution. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says one sows and one waters, but God gives the increase. Amen. We may go in and, and preach a revival and nothing happens. And the next man comes in the first night. There's a landslide. Who cares who gets the credit for it? Praise God. Lay the foundation. Make the contribution. Make the investment. Amen. And if you cannot, if you, if you cannot be what you had hoped to be, in the kingdom of God. If it just doesn't work out, it just looks like you don't fit there. It's not developing. That's not your place. Praise God. Say, God, put me on the wheel and turn me again. Make the best out of me you can. I want to be whatever I can be in the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, we, we say sometimes, well, God can do anything with anything, but really the truth is God takes what we offer and that's what He has to work with. A person's personality you think personality is important in the work of God? Whether a person can sing or they can't sing. Amen. Whether they can talk or they can't talk. Whether they have any sense or they don't have any sense. Whether they have patience or no patience. Amen. Whether they get along with people or they don't. All of this is important and God knows how to fit us where we need to be in His kingdom. Praise God. He knows how to fit us. And don't sit back and resent it. Hallelujah. It may very well be that you're missing doing what you could really be valuable in because you sit around grieving and all mipped up because uh, somebody won't let you do what you want it to do. I got a letter from a gentleman just uh, a few days ago, just several days ago. He's been wanting to be an evangelist. He's been wanting to be an evangelist. Well, I remember... I remember him talking to my dad about it, and he wanted to get started in 1947. That's been a while. 1947, he's been planning to be an evangelist since 1947. Man, that's about 47 years. That's a long time. During that 47 years that he was wanting to be an evangelist, there are so many things he could have been. There's so much work he could have done. Now he's up about uh, 94 years old, and he's looking for a wife that has an automobile so he can go out and evangelistic work. I mean, it may take 47, years to, uh, 47 more years to find a wife that can drive a car. What I'm telling you, you can waste your whole life grieving about how it could have been and uh, resenting the fact that it hasn't been with you like it's been with somebody else. And uh, I hadn't been done right. I hadn't been given the right opportunities. People hadn't been fair with me. Politics in Pentecost. I just had to battle all these politics in Pentecost and to where you will live your life never finding your valuable place in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. David didn't say, I'll appeal it. I'll, uh, I'll file a protest. He said, if that's the way it is, Lord, so be it. Amen. I'll just start dragging up logs and piling up stones and get it ready for the next man. Thank you, Jesus. What a great spirit. I say, what a great spirit. Praise God. If you can't sing, clap while somebody else sings. If you can't preach, say amen while somebody else preaches. Hallelujah. 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 If you can't do it. But I just, I just really want, I just, I met, and I don't say this unkindly, but I, I was visiting a home uh, sometime back, some people that live up north Louisiana. And uh, that a daughter, just about grown, and she came in there and she said, 
pray for me. I'm not making fun, please. Pray for me. I want to be a special singer. And she had a horrible speech impediment. She could not talk. She could not whistle. She couldn't hum. I mean, it's, it's hard to pray for her that she'll be a special singer. Why live a life of frustration? I say, why live a life of frustration? There's so many things we can do. Praise God. I say, Lord, hallelujah. If, if, you, can't, if you can't make a beautiful flower vase out of me, just put this mud on the wheel and turn it until it becomes a, 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 a crock that you can make sauerkraut in or something. Just, just turn it until it turns out whatever you can turn it out and let me be something and let me be happy and let me go ahead and get started instead of spending my whole life in frustration because I can't never seem to be what I really thought I'd like to be someday. Well, let me get off of that. I don't even know why I'm on that. But the Bible said of Solomon, Solomon set out to build a temple, a house of God, a place for God to dwell. In the book of Romans, the first chapter, the apostle Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. Everybody say, present your bodies. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Everybody say, transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. As a lot of people spend so much time trying to present somebody else's body to the Lord. They don't like the way this one looks and this one acts and this one talks and something else. Hallelujah. God help me to work on this house. This body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And I need to prepare this Amen, so that it will be presentable unto the Lord. Is there anything today that I can do in my own life, my own body, my own being that will attract the favor and the blessings of the Lord? That's what I need to be interested in. Praise God. Building a temple for God to dwell in. Hallelujah. How many of you recognize that your body is a temple of the Lord? Come on, wave your hands. You recognize your body is a temple of the Lord. Well, who do you think you are then? I can tell you what the Bible says, you know, temple of other things. You need to recognize, some of you didn't raise your hand, maybe you're not awake. You need to recognize that your body is a temple of God. And it is a challenge, it's a responsibility that you have to try to prepare it in such a way that God will be pleased and God will accept it. Amen. Bible said in the second verse of chapter number three of Second Chronicles, and he began to build the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. On a particular day, it wasn't something he just gradually drifted into, but on a particular day, he says, today I start building a house for God. Today I start building a house for God. Let me tell you boys and girls something. It's great to be in church all your life and grow up in Sunday school. Go to school here at the church house. And just, just all of this. But this is not something that you can just grow into and nothing ever happens. Nothing ever really takes place. At some point in your life, there has to be a 
a deliberate decision, commitment, and determination. I am going to start doing something to please the Lord. I'm going to set my heart to serve God. I'm not just going to drift around and see what happens to me and see what kind of person I become. I was traveling with my little grandson. He's seven years old yesterday. We were traveling in the pickup truck. And he said, you know, Papa, he said, I've been thinking about it and I still don't know exactly what all I'm going to be when I grow up. He said, I've been thinking about it, and I'm still not sure. But he turned and looked at me. But he said, there's one thing I'm sure of I'm going to be. He said, I'm going to be a Christian. And he said, I'm going to be a good one too. Hallelujah. I, I think there has to be a time in our life when we decide today, from this day on. You know, it could be a service. It could be a response to a message, an altar call. It could be... Uh, when someone's given a testimony, our missionaries up there are talking about the work of the Lord, something happens and we say, today I start working on it. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm sure I could. I could say, how many of you had thought that at some time you're going to really get down to business with God and you're going, to, you're going to put forth some effort and become something for the Lord and you're going to pray and you're going to get serious about going to church and worshiping God and move on up and get a little closer and start praying in the altar. And how many of you have decided that at some point you're going to do better? Hallelujah. Let me tell you, that some point won't ever happen. Someday won't never get here. After a while, won't never arrive. Tomorrow never gets here. Amen. You have to decide, today I'm going to make a difference. I am going to start turning my life in the direction of the will of God uh, so that my body can be His temple. And the Bible says that not only did He talk about it, but He started working on it. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. I like what it says in that third verse. It said, And Solomon was instructed for the building of the house of God. Hallelujah. That's why we go to church and listen to long, dry Bible lessons and listen to preachers preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. Amen. We're trying to learn how. I say we're trying to learn how. Hallelujah. We're trying to learn how. We're trying to learn a little bit more about it and how to do it a little bit better. I think that, I think that scripture was put in there for a purpose. I think it was put in there so that if there's ever anybody that thinks they already know it all, they could open the book and said, Solomon was instructed. Solomon was getting help. Solomon was letting someone show him. I'm talking about the wisest man that ever lived. Now, he was some smart dude, you hear? He made straight A's, four point. His, uh, his GPA was four point, and his, uh, what's that test they take? It, it, it was probably 35. We struggle along around 14 to 17. He was probably about 35. He was smarter than anybody else in the whole world. And he sat down and said, would you help me? I want to build this right, and I want to do it the very best I can. Would you instruct me and show me and give me some advice on this? Don't ever think that you outgrowed the preacher 
and you're outgrown the Bible and you've outgrown instruction and the Sunday school teachers. Amen. If you want to please God and you want to do it right, no matter how long you've been in this and how smart you are, you may graduate from Bible school, but you still have to come back and sit down and let the preacher tell you how to live. Amen. Hallelujah. We still have to be instructed in the ways of God. Tell me what God wants. Tell me how to please God better. Praise the Lord. Well, I've been in this longer than the preacher has. It has nothing to do with it. it. has nothing to do with it. In fact, the smarter you get, the more you realize that you need instruction. Hallelujah. Because the more we learn, the more we realize that we don't know. Solomon let somebody instruct him how noble it was that this wisest man that ever lived, amen, he was letting somebody show him how to do this and how to put this. Let me tell you, doesn't matter how smart anyone is, there's somebody that knows more about any subject than any of us does. Amen? You may be the greatest automobile mechanic there is, but there's somebody that knows more about airbags or, or air brakes or something or or power steering, or computer, or radiators, or something. There's somebody that knows more about that particular thing than you do. And as a preacher, as a preacher, amen, the longer I preach and the longer I pastor, the more I realize that I need to sit down and listen to somebody and let them help me because the more problems I face that I sure could use, amen, some more instruction on. When we talk about presenting something to God that He will accept, I mean, these houses are made out of dirt. Amen? These bodies are made out of mud. And when you start thinking about the great God of heaven, Jehovah God, the creator of all things with all power and wisdom, and He is righteousness and holiness personified, he is wisdom and truth and love and glory. Hallelujah. And when you start thinking about presenting a house made out of mud to the Most High God, amen, it's something to think about. And God help us, we need all the help that we can get. We need all the instructions and all the hints and all the tips and all the advice that we can get. Amen. If we're going to have this treasure in an earthen vessel, we sure need to doctor this vessel up as best we can. And the Bible said of Solomon that he got instruction and he set out. There is a, even among us, even among us, you know, it's a it's big sport to talk about the charismatics and we can always get a shout up talking about the charismatics. I, I believe even as sleepy as you are today, I could get you on your feet if I'd start working them charismatics over just right, you know. We could get you going if I could lay it on them charismatics just right. It's a, it's a big sport. Bash the charismatics. Bash the charismatics. But you and I, if we're not careful, we want to go to heaven just as cheap as we can also. Amen. We want to go to heaven just as cheap as we can. Hallelujah. Tell me the bare minimum, Brother Cox. Do you think this will send me to hell? But tell me. Well, brother, I don't think you ought to do that. Do you think it will send me to hell? Tell me yes or no. Will it send me to hell? Well, Brother, 
as your pastor, I'm advising you against it. Tell me, can I go to heaven and still do it? If we're not careful, we will try to get by at, with the very least we can. Now, we want to go to heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven? Wave your hands out there. You want to go to heaven. Hallelujah. You, want to, you don't want to miss it. The Bible says it. Now, now, there is, there are some absolute basic essentials if you're going to go to heaven. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. No elastic in that. I don't care if you're from up north or down south or on the mission field, even anywhere else. Brother Garrison, them, that's exactly what they preach over in Africa. Without the Holy Ghost, without the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. Except you believe that Jesus Christ is a mighty God, you cannot be saved. Trinitarians can't go to heaven. If you're not baptized in Jesus' name, you can't go to heaven. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't go to heaven. You will not be resurrected in the first resurrection unless you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Absolute essentials, a new birth, absolutely essential. Baptism, repentance, that's the only way to take your sins away. Absolute essential. Separation from the world, absolutely essential. No elastic in that. Amen. No, no, there's no room for any kind of negotiating. Let me tell you, God don't negotiate. It's not like, well, what do you have to offer him? Okay, on the, you know, uh, you can bring a... Uh, for volume, we'll give you a little cut. No, no way. He said, come, we'll reason together. But no way did God say, come and let's negotiate this. Amen. Amen. You know, you see in the paper, somebody has something to sell. $400, negotiable. Well, they, they no use putting that 400 in there because we're going to get it for 100 and a quarter. I mean, they done, they done give us a clue. But there are some things about God that's not negotiable. And Solomon knew that it had to be this long and this wide. He knew how it had to be arranged, a holy place and a holy of holies. There had to be this veil here. It had to be that way. Now, that's the absolute essentials. You can build it out of concrete blocks. I mean, you can make the blocks out of mud and stack them one on top of the other and put mud in between them. And when it's all over with, this is the temple of God. Come on in, Lord. This is your house. But Solomon wanted to do it better than that. He wanted to put something extra in it. Amen. I am persuaded that people who just barely want to get to heaven probably not going to get there at all. What is the very least that I can do to make heaven my home? What's the very least that I can get by with? Let me tell you. There ain't much difference in just barely making it and not quite making it. I say there ain't much margin there for error. Just barely making it and not quite making it. But Solomon, he didn't say, all right, I want you engineers to tell me what's the absolute minimum that I can get by with so that when I finish, I can say, all right, God, we have... Follow the code, we built it according to the law, and here it is. No, sir. He said, I've got to know exactly what the requirements are, but over and above that, even I want to give God something. I want to offer something to the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, I'd like to overlay this with gold. It doesn't have to be, but I'd like to do it. 
and up on top of these walls here where no one will see it. Everyone say, where no one will see it. Say it again, where no one will see it. I'd like to put some gold chains up here and I'd like to put about a hundred pomegranates, carve them out of gold and just put them along on that gold lattice work up there, that gold chain where no one will see it, way up on top. And I'd like to put some little angels up on the top of them posts, not down the side, I'm up on the very top of those columns. Well, Solomon, nobody will see that. I'm not doing that for nobody. I'm not doing that for anyone to see. Well, when the queen from the south comes, she won't even see that. I'm not doing that to impress the queen from the south. Who's going to see it? Only God will see that. Hallelujah. He said, I'd like to put a lot in this that nobody but God will notice. Hallelujah. You're talking about, you're talking about making your temple attractive to the Most High when you start decorating your life with things that only are meaningful to the Lord. Nobody else is going to notice it. No one else is going to give you credit for it. The pastor won't even mention your name and honor you publicly in church for it because he probably don't even know about it. This is something that just between you and the Lord that you're offering to God. Amen. Lord, I just want you to be pleased. I just want you to smile when you look my way. I just want you to feel good about the effort that I'm putting forth. Amen. Amen. Those things that are not essential, but God sure is pleased with. Hallelujah. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? The temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You want God to be pleased living in your life. You want God to look at you with favor and, and, uh, and to smile upon you when He looks this way. Solomon said, I'm going to put some things up there that nobody won't even know about but me and God. The Bible says, And your heavenly Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. Hallelujah. You look at some people and you say, I just don't know why God blesses them that much. I don't see nothing so special about them. You think maybe they're doing some things that uh, it's not to be seen of men. You think there's some consecrations there that uh, there's, there's some praying that's not public prayers. You think there's some days of fasting that they're not bragging about. You think they have some hours of prayer that they're not advertising. Amen. And you wonder why the blessings and favor of God's upon them. There may be something up there that nobody can't see but just them and the Lord. Praise God. A walk with God. A commitment. There's some kindness, some charity, some good works there. Hallelujah. Anonymous contributions. Some things that is not to be seen of men, but just because they know God loves it and God wants it, and they willingly offer it to Him because God is pleased with it. At 6 verse said, And He garnished the house with precious stones for beauty. For beauty. Hallelujah. Beautiful to who? Beautiful to the Lord. This is God's house. Hallelujah. I say this is God's house. Let's make it a happy place for Him. I think it's commendable and I think God loves you for it that you built this church house. Hallelujah. And put extra pretty things here. This is the house of the Lord. You ought to feel good about what you've done here. You ought to feel good about what you've offered to Him. Amen. You ought to feel happy and good. Praise God. You could have had this tent, this camp meeting under a tent. And people say, well, bless God, we're old time holiness because we're so poor. Poor and righteous is not necessarily the same thing. 
Amen. If that was true, uh, we saw several angels on the side of the highway on the way down here today. Out there in the rain. Begging. Being poor and being righteous is not the same thing. I saw one of those guys the other day at an intersection off the interstate. He had a big sign that said, I will not work. I am not homeless. I am not hungry. And I will not pray for you. Please give me a dollar for a drink. Well, that was a different slant to it. But being poor, being poor is not being godly. And, uh, you know, somebody says, see this old tent here? This old tent got so many holes in it, and we're so humble. Hallelujah. Give the best you can to the Lord. If the old tent's the best we had, hallelujah, come out without being embarrassed. Amen. And make the very best of it. Have camp meeting and shouting the sawdust. Kick the sawdust up and glorify the Lord. But if you can do better, do better. Amen. If, any, if, if anything deserves our best, it is the work of God. Hallelujah. I think, praise God, I think I could go to church and, and shout in my overhauls and, and brogans. Hallelujah, if that's the best I had. But I do think that I ought to wear the best I have when I go to church. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't wear your brogans and overhauls to church. Amen. And then go stepping out in town with something nice on. Well, that's off the subject, too. But on the other hand, if that's the best you got, be sure they clean. Hallelujah. And don't look back. Praise God. Just give God your best. And he garnished the house with precious stones. He gave it the best he had. The upper chambers. He built a big, he built a big sea and he put... Twelve oxen, carved oxen on it. Just, and he looked, he said, I think the Lord would like this. <laughs> I, I believe the Lord would be impressed with this. And so he did something special here. He sent 80,000 men up in the mountains just to carve stones. 80,000 men. And he took 70,000 men and he, he made truck drivers out of them. 70,000 of them. They put those stones on their back and hauled them down the hill. I mean, just, just transporting stuff. Bears of burden, 70,000 of them. He had 3,600 foemans up there in the hills just supervising. Not that stone, turned around the other way, back, smoothed it out a little more. 3,600 of them just supervising. You think he was trying to build something nice for the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah. How much attention do we give uh, to the, the, uh, the presentation of our body, our life, our spirit, our attitude to the Lord. Lord, I activities, worldly entertainment, worldly habits, we give all of that up. The, uh, the decorations, the, the makeup, the jewelry, all of this stuff, we give it all up and say, God, Amen. I want my body to be a temple of the Lord. And we, we get it all clean and we get it all right. And we try to do our very best to be presentable. It's not a matter of what is the least that I can get by with. How slouchy can I be and still be a child of God? How careless and casual can I be about my conversation and my talk and still be the temple of God? How raunchy can I talk? What all bad words can I say? You know, somebody said, well, I know I can't cuss, but what all bad words can I say and still be saved? 
You know, these old slang words, these kind of homemade cuss words. And you say, it's not cussing. If it ain't cussing, why do you just say it when you're mad? If it ain't cussing, why do you just say it when you smash your finger? What I'm saying is, after we've cleaned the whole temple up and got it all straight and got it all right, hallelujah, and everything looks good, we're not through yet. We have just prepared for the purpose. I say we're just preparing for the purpose. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so Solomon has a pretty house out there. Did you see that house he built? Oh, uh, listen, that's not the purpose in all of this. Hallelujah, we've got to get some glory inside. We've got to get some value in there. We've got to bring in something, amen, of eternal uh, importance. We've got to bring some glory into this house or else it's just a big pretty building. Faith Tabernacle Church, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with your building. I'm impressed with your new parking lot. Nice. Ain't no blacktop out here. No. With built-in poured curbs, no less. And all markings and everything. I'm impressed. Brother Cox, I'm impressed with your people. I'm impressed with the way they dressed. I'm impressed with the way the lady's hair is uncut, fixed. I'm impressed with the modesty and the godliness of the people. Amen. That's, that's, that's impressive. But that ain't the main thing. It's important. It's necessary. Absolutely necessary. God can't come in if the temple's not prepared. But after the temple is prepared, be sure you've got God in. Prepare the house and then bring the glory in. Solomon said, now, hallelujah, now we get down to the real purpose of all of it. Hallelujah, I want you to bring the dedicated vessels in here. Praise God, start bringing these things that has value to it, that has weight to it, that has meaning to it. They started hauling all of this in. They started bringing it in. Hallelujah. And some of those old workers that had worked so hard and they were so proud of all this, but then they begin to get a little feeling with it little inspiration with it. Amen. They brought these dedicated vessels in. And after a while, Solomon said to the priest, now it's time to bring in the ark. And the priest come bringing in the ark. Hallelujah. Bringing in the ark. It's getting better now. Hallelujah. And the scripture says, then they started singing. Let me tell you, you can't live so ecclesiastically perfect. Amen that you can be saved without having life on the inside. You're so holy that you don't have to sing. You're so holy that you don't have to worship. You're so consecrated that you don't have to glorify God. Amen. You are such an example of a perfect apostolic that everybody can see it and smell it. Amen. You don't have to pray in the altar, and you don't have to seek the Lord, and you don't have to cry. No such thing. Amen. We can become uh, ecclesiastical hypocrites and, and scribes and Pharisees to where everybody is impressed with what they see and nobody is saved by our testimony and nobody is moved in our services and nobody is convicted with our preaching and nobody is, uh, 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 creates a love in their heart and they're challenged to serve God better or love God more because there's nothing on the inside. 
Amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, there are preachers that preach love and glory and power and mercy and miracles and grace. Amen? And say that is so important that these other things are not important. That's not what I'm preaching to you. I'm telling you Solomon did his homework. Not only the bare essentials, but he put some extra in it. And if we really want to please God, not only are we trying to measure up to the absolute essentials of apostolic outward holiness, amen, but we're trying to go the extra mile and do a little extra just because we love God and want to please God. But after we've done a good job with all of that, amen, then it's necessary that we reach out and bring into our life the glory, the miracle, the power, the anointing, hallelujah, and the spirit of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. It's impossible to build such a beautiful building that you don't need the ark in it and you don't need the dedicated vessels in it and you don't need the singing and the praise in it. Hallelujah. They started singing and they started praising and they started glorifying the Lord and then the glory began to fill the place. Oh, Lord, give us that feeling. Lord, give us that glory. Give us that unction. Give us that anointing. Hallelujah, Lord, give us that life. Let it churn, let it roll, let it boil. Praise God. There is no church pretty enough to do without the glory of the Lord. And there is no Christian life so uh, correct and so exact, amen, and so exemplatory that it can do without the life of the Spirit on the inside. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, meekness, temperance, kindness, faith, love, all these things, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible said, if these things be in you and abound, read it over there in the book of Peter. Add to this, add, 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 add to all of this. Hallelujah. Once the house is prepared, then move the glory in. Hallelujah. Let that body be that testimony. Let it be that example. Let it be that place where the glory emanates from. You know, the, the queen of the south, when she came and she saw all of this, she said, wow. She looked at all of it. She looked at it. But you know what really got her? When she saw how excited the people were about going to the house of the Lord, she said, when I saw their act at scent into the house of the Lord, it was just like they're jumping out of their buggies and just running up there, wanting to get in there, wanting to get in church. The joy of it, the happiness of it, the life that was in there, the glory that came down. It's greater than the gold. It's greater than the silver. It's greater than the precious stones. It's greater than the carved works. It's greater than all the architecture of it. Hallelujah, that feeling, that power, that anointing. God help all of us to understand that if our heart is not filled with love and glory and anointing, praise God, compassion and patience. I can sit around and say, I dare anybody to put their finger on my life. I fast twice a week, I pray, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do that. I am not like all these charismatics. I am not like these liberal Pentecostals down here. This I wear my sleeves, no jewelry. I keep my hair cut right. I do all these, pay my tithes. I give in the offerings. I give the missionaries and all of this. And if my spirit is not right and the glory of the Lord, hallelujah, to where I can cry and pray and love lost souls and have compassion, 
and pity and mercy and kindness to where I can take time for little children to help them and help restore a backslider. Hallelujah. And help a poor saint that's sick, somebody that needs God, to pray with someone that's struggling. If I don't have that glory and that spirit of Jesus Christ in my life, amen, then I'm like a beautiful vault in a cemetery with granite and carvings and pretty little little diagrams and pictures on it, but full of dead men's bones. Somebody said, ha, oh, I am impressed. Oh, look at, I have never seen a grave so ornate and expensive that I want it to be in it. And this world will never see a church so finely decorated and beautiful that they'll want to be in it if there's no life and no power and no spirit and no glory there. Hallelujah. And they will never see a child of God so righteous and so holy. Amen. And so outwardly correct. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. Amen. And I'll tell you, I've got this sister that works in my office. And there's so many things she don't do that I just want to be just like her. Oh, there's this man on my job. He don't smoke. He don't drink. He don't cuss. He don't do. He don't do nothing. And I tell you, he is so. Uh, there's so many things he don't do that I want to be just like him. No, sir. But I'll tell you what. When you live a life and have your life clean and holy and separate from the world, and that glory of God is in your heart, that love, that anointing, that compassion, that power. That's what attracts the sinner. That's what attracts them to your church. That's what causes them to want to hear your testimony because you're full of thanksgiving. You're full of praise. There's love and joy. There's glory and power there. Hallelujah. The temple of Solomon was just a house until God moved in it. And then the priest couldn't even minister. Oh, it was good in that place. It was glorious in that place. Hallelujah. Praise God about tonight. Amen, when Brother uh, Philip White starts preaching and gets through preaching and this place just filled with glory and people shouting and talking in tongues and getting the Holy Ghost. Amen, for a while you won't know whether you're in a tent or whether you're in this beautiful cathedral. It won't make no difference because the glory of God is all that's going to count at that point. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand? Praise God. Say praise the Lord. Two things, two things that we have to be careful about. One is prepare the house. Keep the temple impressive to the Lord. Something that God is pleased with. Hallelujah. Something that God is pleased with. Amen. If you make a mistake, correct it quickly. Hallelujah. Keep God's favor and God's attention on you. And then don't be satisfied just with that, but day by day, have that walk with God, that personal commitment, communion, devotion, that move of the Spirit, that life of the Spirit, the, the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ manifest in you, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the glory of God, hallelujah, His anointing, His compassion for souls. Let that glory fill your life. You'll never be unhappy with it. You'll never get tired of it. And I'll tell you something else. The people around you won't get tired of being around you because there'll be such sweetness and such kindness in your life that you'll be a blessing, amen, instead of being an irritation and an aggravation and a torment and a hindrance 
Praise God, there'll be something about your life that'll just bubble over, and people will be glad when they see you coming because there's something good.